Hello, this is Tim Conboy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. All right, so week number two for me. Um, Listen, just so you know, the real chef will be back in the kitchen next week, so you can be excited about that. You know, um, man, it is tough to fill his shoes. He does a phenomenal job. You know, Pastor Tim is a phenomenal teacher, and we are blessed to have him. So, and it's sometimes a little bit daunting to try to follow him. But I'm going to still try to go where I feel like God's calling us to go. You know, last week we spent a lot of time talking. I should say we. I spent time, uh, most of the service talking about it. You guys, really, I heard some of the feedback was I was just talking about serving. And it really was more than just serving. It was about having a heart that with what we do in here spills over to what we do out there. And how we serve each other and how we serve in here really, really goes out to what we're doing out there. But at the end, there was a couple words that I shared with you, a couple of Hebrew words. And one of them was faith. And if you remember me talking about that. And, and, and I said, if you remember, that faith was an action word. That this, this word faith requires us to do something, to not talk about it, but to really put it into action and display what our faith is. And um, I also mentioned, if you remember, I, I said I was talking about revival and I was talking about how we um, should, should live like we've been revived, you know, like we've been brought back to life rather than living like we're dead a lot of times, which is a, a lot of what we see. And uh, not going from revival to revival to revival, but living a continuous life of being revived. Living simply alive until it's time for us to sleep. Not like nighttime, go to bed type sleep, but when we're done here, when our work is done here, it's time for us to go home. And so in praying about what does does that that look like? What does that mean for us? What am am I even thinking about? If we're going to talk about faith, we're talking about being revived, we're talking about serving, we have all these things we're talking about. What does that mean? Well, well, first of all, you need to understand the word revived. I mean, what is the definition of it? And so if you go look at the definition, it says to give new strength and energy to. So if we're going to live like we've been revived, if we're going to live like we're alive, then we have to have the ability to, to get new strength and energy added to us. Well, that means if we need to get new strength, and that means if we need to get strength or uh, energy, that means something is taking that away from us. And our everyday life takes that away from us. So what is it that keeps us from living day-to-day revived and full of life, a life that is abundant, not based on our perception of abundance, but based on God's perception. And so in, you know, in praying about where would we go this second week, um, when Tim first told me that I would be sharing for two weeks in a row, and um, you know, I was like, God, where do we want to go? You know, there was a place that he took me for this week that I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go because it's, it's kind of a big topic, um, and it, it has a lot of layers to it. 
But in praying, I was like, yeah, why, what is it that takes our energy? What is it that, that takes our strength so that we have, in our battles, we feel worn out? Well, what is it that we're battling? And there was this big word. It's called fear. President Franklin Roosevelt, he said this, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, that is a crazy big statement, right? Because we look at fear with all these different legs. We have the word fear, phobia. We have all kinds of phobias. If you go on, if you Google and look up the word um, fear or what are the most fears, most common fears, what are phobias, there is a list a mile long of every kind of phobia that you can possibly have. Every single one of them. And, you know, the top ten, everybody knows what they are, right? Failure, death, public speaking, spiders, snakes, wild boars. I, I mean, there's everything. I mean, like chairs, cloth, technology. I, I mean, the list goes on and on, and there's fears. But here's the thing. When you get to talking about fears, there is all these labels, all these names to go along with fear, but there is really five basic fears that we all function under. They're really the root of everything else. They are the root for all the phobias that can be listed. There's really five of them, and so I'm, I'm going to list those for you because out of all these, all the other fears are manufactured. The first one. Extinction. The fear of annihilation, of ceasing to exist. So this, is, this is a different way of expressing it other than just saying the fear of death. It's that fear of ceasing to exist. The idea of no longer being creates an element of anxiety within us. It's the thing that causes that panicky feeling in your stomach when you're at the edge of the cliff and there's no guardrail. When you're on top of a building or crossing a glass bridge. Have you guys seen that? That glass bridge? It's really pretty neat. But it's that thing that causes you internally. And it's not the death itself. It's the idea that you would no longer exist. Because, see, as Christians, we understand that there is an afterlife. We know that there is eternity for us. But because we don't understand necessarily what that feels like, what that looks like, the thought is no longer about the death and where we're going. It's that we would no longer exist as we see ourselves today. So extinction. Number two, mutilation. The fear of losing any part of our bodily structure. The thought of having our body's boundaries invaded or of losing the integrity of any organ, body part, natural function. So anxiety about like animals, little critters, bugs, spiders, snakes, right? That's where it comes from. The fear of a shark. Now, you may be afraid to get eaten by a shark, but most people are really afraid that they're going to lose an arm or a leg or a midsection, or something like that. They're not thinking about being eaten. They're just thinking about what will happen. The thing won't swallow me whole. It's going to bite me. It's going to chew me. I'm going to lose part of my function. And so we we look at fear a lot of times, and when we get into messing, 
spiders are creepy, but it's what they can do to you, right? If they get, if you get a bad bite, you might lose part of your hand or something. So that's what part of the fear is. Number three is loss of autonomy. The fear of being immobilized, paralyzed, restricted, enveloped, overwhelmed, entrapped, imprisoned, smothered, or otherwise controlled by circumstances beyond our control. In physical form, it's commonly known as claustrophobia, but this really extends into our social interactions and relationships. Have you ever thought about that? When we have interactions with people, there are some people who have very demanding, strong-willed um, ways of dealing with people, and some, sometimes we can be overwhelmed by their presence, or we can be, or maybe they are very controlling type person where they want you to do exactly what they want you to do. And if you don't do what they want you to do, though, the manipulation kicks in and we get overwhelmed by it because we don't want to be controlled by other people. You see this a lot in the term introvert and extrovert in that the way that we carry ourselves with inside of how we deal with relationships with people introvert and extrovert really is more about how you recharge or refuel it's not about so much of being afraid to be with people it's just that you can only if you're an introvert you can only stand people for so long and that's not a bad thing is some for some people they're refueling they're recharging is I got to get away from people because they are overwhelming me with their needs and all the stuff that they have going on. And I don't know how to process this information. I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling claustrophobic now. I've got to escape this. I got to get away from them. And these are the people that you'll see that like they, they're the ones like they like to go to movies by themselves. That's okay. Where an extrovert is like, I'm feeling overwhelmed by my loneliness. I'm feeling overwhelmed by being by myself. And I need people around me. They get recharged and refueled by people. And they're, they're the ones that are like, yeah, come over to the house anytime you want. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And bring a whole crowd with you. And now they're usually married to the person that's the other way and goes, please do not bring all those people over. That's usually what happens. Number four is separation. The fear of abandonment, rejection, and loss of connectedness. Becoming a non-person, not wanted, respected, or valued by anyone else. You see, this is really easily conveyed if we're in a group of people and um, somebody gives us the silent treatment, they just made it very clear that they do not want to be with us. They just made it very clear that, that um, they maybe don't value us. They don't respect us. I mean, none of you have probably ever done that to anybody. But it sends a very clear message about how we want to interact with someone. Or maybe we've been the victim of that. Everybody wants to be valued. Everybody wants to be respected and wanted. And then the last one is ego death. The fear of humiliation, shame, or any other mechanism of profound self-disapproval that threatens the loss of integrity of the self. 
the fear of the shattering or disintegration of one's constructed sense of lovability, capability, and worthiness. And that's a big one. That is a big, big one right there because we see that all around us. Where people are humiliated or shamed, made to feel guilty for things that they've done or been a part of or experienced. And so because of that, what happens is is that when they go into situations, the way they react and interact with people is based on they're going to make sure that I will not get humiliated today. So sometimes you'll see people where they go, they will create, I'm going to make sure I humiliate you before you humiliate me. Or I'm going to make sure it comes on you before it comes on me. I mean, maybe you've worked with some of these people before, right? You got a great idea, they take it, and then they make sure that the boss knows it was their idea. Or you have a lot of idea you bring to something to the table and they they push it down, they push it down, and no, oh, that's a terrible idea. That'll never work, that'll never happen. It's the dumbest thing you've ever thought about. You see, in a lot of these things, all of these things I just listed, we don't even realize that we react. We're not even realizing that we're reacting out of fear because it comes so naturally. We know that there are certain situations where we'll feel like we lose control. So before this even happens, if someone says, hey, you want to go do something, our mind has already gone through a complete scenario of what could possibly happen, and we go, nope, I'm good, thank you. You see, our fear leads where we go. Our fear makes our decision-making really easy. God would like to use us, but we have to figure out how to get rid of and get work through some of these fears. I was going through the Bible, and I was looking at just some different people, and I was looking at these different, these five different things, five different ways of looking at fear and kind of the root of where they are. And um, I was thinking about Adam and Eve. Where, where would they rank on this? I mean, they were like, they were the beginning. Right? So where's, where, where, what, what fears did they possibly have? They had dominion over everything. They had reign over all the animals. I mean, Adam spent a long, long, long time putting all the names out there for all these. So where would fear be? What did they walk in? Well, number three, I said loss of autonomy, right? So their fear would be that they would be trapped and controlled and that knowledge was being withheld from them. We've been in those situations before. Right? Someone says, don't do something. You're not supposed to do that. And, and we are fear. Well, what are they holding from me? What, what do I not? Why do I not get to know that information? Am I not good enough to know that information? Am I, can I not handle it? Why are they controlling me? Why are they trying to hold me back? See, those things come out of it. We don't even realize where they're coming from, but it just... Boom, it's out there. Our words start showing up, our start show, throwing out there, our, our mind starts going that way. How about the rich young ruler? You know the story, right? He goes to Jesus. How does one inherit the kingdom? Jesus, oh, well, this is easy. You know the commandments. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I've, I've kept all those. I mean, I have, I'm from a little boy. As soon as I gained knowledge, I knew how to follow, that, follow all those rules. I'm, I'm good. 
Okay, that's awesome. Jesus was like, well, then you need to go sell everything and follow me. And we know the story, right? He's like, oh, man, I, I can't do that. So what would his fear have been? Self-worth. He had an ego death. His greatest fear was his self-worth was caught up in his riches and how people viewed him. His status was bigger than his usability. Jesus wanted to use him, and the rich ruler couldn't see how he could be used without his stuff. His fear of moving forward without his stuff, his status, his ability to draw people in rather than just saying, God, what do you want to use me for? How about Saul later became Paul? Not Saul the king, thousands, but Saul, Paul. Where would his fear have been? I mean, he was the one persecuting Christians. So when you're the one that's angry and persecuting Christians, it doesn't look like you're operating out of fear. But you know, anger really is a, it comes out of fear. Right? There's, there's something that happens. So you need to understand, you know, we know Paul, or he was a Pharisee. He also was a member of one of the strictest Jewish sect that there was at the time. So what could his fear possibly have been? His was directed at this man named Jesus who was bringing a lot of followers along, and they were, they were taking a stab at the Jewish faith. And his anger rose up and said, I'm not, no way, we're not losing this Jewish faith. Those Jesus people are not going to change the way things are going on here, and I'm going to make sure it happens. They're what we call control freaks, right? They're going to get in control of the situation. They're going to make sure it happens, and, it, and sometimes it comes out in anger. Sometimes it comes out in just manipulation, different ways, but we want to make sure that we're controlling the things instead of things controlling us. We don't want to lose anything. And we look through the, the Word of God. We look through the Bible. You know, all the greatest of the greatest. I've been talking about fear, but when we talk about the greatest of the greatest in the Word of God, they all exempt, they were exemplary in faith. So that tells me that faith is greater than fear. It has to be. Because they're the ones we go to when we need encouragement. The Word is what we get for encouragement. It talks a lot about fear, but it also talks a lot more about faith. They are the ones that help us walk in faith, stay focused on faith, stay encouraged in faith. So, uh, here's a crazy thought. Here I am speaking today, right? And um, I thought I had my Bible with me. Apparently, I left it somewhere, my office. So I'm going to reference a scripture. I will not read it to you. Um, in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it's a passage that is talking about a wide path and a narrow path, and that a wide path in certain forms will lead you to destruction but there is a narrow path that takes you to a gate and there's not many people on this path you're the ones that are pursuing righteousness you're the ones that are operating in a great amount of faith those that are on that wide path are operating in a lot of fear there's a whole lot of them on there but i, I started 
I was looking at this passage and I was thinking about what happens when you go to a gate. You see, a lot of people operate in fear. And so because they're in fear, they will not take the narrow path to go to the gate. Not understanding that when you get to the gate, usually what happens is there's a big field that opens up. The possibilities are huge in front of you when you walk through a gate. It doesn't matter what kind of gate it is, but typically that's what happens. And that, when I was, I was just kind of working through this and talking, I was like, you know, God began to give me this vision of where, you know, um, walking on top of, walking a trail up the mountain, and at the top of it, it's a narrow path, but when at the top of it, when you go through the gate, when you get to the top, the whole world around you, this view is incredible and what you can see, and the possibilities are all around you. The ability of what you can possibly do. And this is what faith versus fear does. Fear keeps us over here. We're with a whole lot of other people. We're not really moving forward. Not, we're not looking, going towards the gate. We're not trying to get there because we think that when we get there, there's really only one possibility. There's really only one outcome. There's only one solution that will really happen. That's why we avoid going to the gate. Whereas if you're walking in faith, when we get to the gate, we see all kinds of possibilities. We all see, we see all kinds of solutions. We see all kinds of things in front of us that God could possibly do with us. Fear keeps us from really living. Um, we live like we're afraid to die. You know, one of the things I love um, in all my time spending with Julie, and especially there at the end when she would talk about she would say you know we're all gonna die right i mean like i'm just going a little bit sooner than you like i'm i'm going soon but you you do realize you're not getting out of this and i would, and I would say yeah i know i know i know and and you know, she's like um you know we were talking about children's ministry and stuff like that and she said will you just make sure that these kids will learn how to live Will you just make sure that they, they are not afraid of death and that they won't spend their lives living afraid to die? And she, and she was talking about how, you know, in school she would watch these kids who were so afraid to do anything, to step out. And she was like, I just really wish one time I could figure out how to get them to know how much God wants to use them. And, you know, and so we were talking about kids. We were talking about kids, how, how they're, they live in this fear. And I started thinking, you know, man, adults, we live in a lot of fear. Faith should be greater than fear. But fear supersedes our faith a lot of times. And, and here's what I was, I was thinking. Why is that? And I think it's because the why for the what and the what for the who. We do not understand that. Because when we understand that, it makes it easier to walk in faith. Lots of times we think the who is us. Everything that we approach, or not everything, a lot of things that we approach, the fear rises up. You know what? I might get hurt in that. Now listen, there is a difference between walking in wisdom and discernment and not jumping off of a cliff without a parachute than jumping off with a parachute, well-trained 
well-versed and ready to go. There is a difference. I'm not saying that you just go out and do whatever and God's going to protect you, but more along the lines of just social interaction, the way we deal with people, the way we interact with things that are going on around us. Decisions that we make are based on us. It's based on what we think we can't do, what we think God can't use us for. You may not know this, but anxieties are at an all-time high right now. We are at the greatest amount of, of people walking around in fear and anxieties. And the doctors are really easy going on. Listen, one I can give you a label to is I can medicate it. And that is opposite of the word. Now, there are some things that happen that you need medication for, but there are some things that we have become so accustomed to, so programmed to, to just naturally walk in this fear that we self-profess those. Well, I'm anxious about this, and I'm anxious about that, and I'm worried about this, and I'm fearful of this, and I'm afraid to do this, and I'm not sure about that, and what if this happens, and what if that happens, and well, what if they don't like what I say? What if I don't have the eloquent words? What if I don't have all the theological? What if... God calls me to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. You see, we live in all these words that we push out there are fear-based. They're fear-based. Fear should cause us to be able to, or faith should cause us to say, you know what? I'm not really sure what I'm going to do, but there's room for one more in the kingdom. You know, last week I talked about that we are called to the Great Commission. We are called to get out there and share the gospel. And fear keeps us from doing that. Because somewhere along the line, the enemy has convinced us that we are not capable, good enough, qualified, whatever else. You, you put the word in there. Move very quickly because I'm going over. I had a a dream when, when Pastor Tim asked me to speak and I knew exactly where I was going last week for these two weeks and I had it um, and I was in the element of fear uh, really praying and talking to God about it and um, I had a dream one night and what happened was is um, I was in a big big park and it was full of all kinds of people and a lot of your familiar faces were there and we were all hanging out and just kind of doing our thing. The air was light. I mean, it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of stuff happening. Now, I, I love all you people who are not that young, um, but my heart is always for young people. And so usually I have dreams that involve young people. And what happened was is I'm looking around, and this intergenerational thing is happening. The young and the not-so-young are all mingling together, and everybody's doing their thing. But I start noticing that people are walking up um, kind of behind the young people, and what it looked like was is they were whispering something in their ear and then holding a gun to their head and pulling the trigger because literally they just walk up, lean like this, and then they would drop. They would just drop. And I'm like, and I start freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? My I mean, fear took over me. And I'm literally, I'm seeing this going on, and inside I'm going, I always said, if something happens, I want to rise to the occasion. I want to be the hero. But instead, I started cowering behind people, and I was trying to, like, hide behind them, get to certain places. I was trying to get away from what was going on. And then all of a sudden, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm not supposed to be timid. The Word says I'm not supposed to operate in fear. The Word says this, and I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can do it. And so literally in my dream, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. All right, God, I, I'm going to do it. 
And so I start going towards the people, the, the young people. And then what I noticed was, is it wasn't a gun. What they were doing is, and I began to hear the words that were being said, they would walk up behind them and they would kind of put their hand like this over their ear. And they would whisper things in their ear that like, you're not good enough. You're not capable. You're doing this. They began to speak words and create fear. You know that the terrorists are going to kill you. They, they, things like that. There was these things I'd start to hear. You know that you'll probably die in a crash. These words that would start to create fear within them and literally would kill them. And I mean, it's, God, and I, woke, I woke up instantly. I was like, God, what the heck was that all about? What, what, what is the world? Here's the thing. We have become a society that operates so much on fear that our words are constantly casting into the people around us the fears that we exude and the fears that we want them to have. And we have to start speaking life into people. We have to start speaking encouragement into people. And we have to stop, we have to work through the, we've got to get through the fear and not let it lead our faith. I believe God is wanting to do some incredible, credible things through us. Two, two words very quickly. I'm going to have to work on this. The first one is, um, is going to be about shalom or peace. Okay? And um, now, I don't know about you, but when I picture the, uh, the city Jerusalem in uh, the t- Bible times, I picture it much, much like New York City, very busy, very loud, very, a lot of stuff happening, a lot of things going on, maybe even a little messy, maybe even a little dirty, but a lot of action, a lot of things, okay? So, however, God calls it his holy city. Now, holy city usually, to me, means there should be peace, but when I picture Jerusalem, I picture like New York where there's no peace, never sleeps and something's always happening john 14 27 says this peace i leave with you my peace i give unto you not as the world giveth you giveth i give unto you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid so now there's this word um it's called it's yera shalalem shalalem it's really hard to say made up of two Hebrew words, Yeru, which means, what does it mean? You will see. And then the next word is Shalom, which is peace of God. So the, the word Jerusalem is you will see the peace of God. Now, in a busy, hectic life, chaos going on, chaos going on, everything's going on. Where is the peace of God? So let's do that. In the book of Revelation, we read that the followers of God will live in a new Jerusalem, in God's kingdom. We will see the peace of God. And Jesus told us that his followers, that the kingdom of God is within you. So that means if we're, if the new kingdom is in us and the kingdom is peace, that means we don't operate in fear. It means we operate in peace. So the challenge for you when you leave here is, is will people see peace in your life or will they see fear? And then there's one other word, mem. Next one is mem, which means chaos. 
Okay, so you may not know this, but um, I was doing, I was reading, doing some studying that the, actually, in, in Bible times, the the sea was kind of a negative word, and the reason why is because they grew up understanding that the flood wiped out all the people, and so there was an element of fear that was wrapped around water. But it was, I find it interesting that Jesus always found himself taking them out into the water, right? So the Hebrew word for water is um, mayim, mayim. And its root word is mem, which means chaos. Now, what does that have anything to do with anything? John six nineteen says this. So when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh into the ship, and they were afraid. Why does, why does Jesus insist on taking them out into the water? If that's where their greatest fear is, why, would he want to, why is he taking them out there over and over and over again? And what did we see Jesus do? Jesus showed that he was in control of the chaos. He was in control of everything. Man, that's where we are. God is in control of your chaos. He knows what's going on with you. He is not calling us to operate and walk in fear. He's calling us to go do what we're supposed to do. Move past the chaos. Walk in peace. Not called to, we're not called to be people who control every situation, but rather that God is in control of our every situation. When we understand that, when we know that, we do not operate in fear. We operate in faith. Now, as you go out, out on the table, um, there is some papers. I have uh, 33 verses because in Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I have 33 verses that I printed out. That's one for every day of the month, depending on what month you are in, and a couple extras for those really bad days and your fears are really getting the hold of you. You're welcome to take them with you. I would have loved to have read all 33 verses because you need to get them in you. It's like taking medicine. It's like a pill, right? It's the best kind of medicine you get. When you get the word in you, it pushes the other stuff out. And you have to get it in you. So I made several copies. If you want to take one, you can take it with you. But if you would, stand with me. I want to encourage you this next week. Would you be looking at how you're handling interactions and, and reacting to situations and, and ask yourself, what fear am I operating in? What fear is it that's leading my decision-making? And then would you seek the word and would you find, get the word in you so that your faith becomes greater than your fear? That's what we're called to do. It's to walk in our faith. And fathers, we go out. Fathers, we go out this week. Would you, would you make us aware of, would you make us aware of what we're operating under. Are we operating under our greatest faith? Or are fears leading us where we're going? Here's what I think. If the uh, ministry teams would come up as we go into worship, I think some of you today know exactly some things that you're struggling with, some things that you would like someone to stand in agreement with. Now, you may need to get somewhere. You may, you may feel like, well, I don't have time to deal with this. You know what? God wants you to operate in your greatest amount of faith. And if that's you, all eyes are closed. If that's you, 
come forward and let someone pray with you. Let them stand in agreement with you. Let them help you get through what it is that's holding you back of being used in the greatest way possible. To where you walk in authority rather than cowering in fear. If you would, just let your eyes be closed. As he goes through worship, just let him sing over you. Let the Holy Spirit just reveal to you where you are. to Jesus I surrender Father, as we close out this service, we just ask that you would go with your people. Father, that you would lead them, guide them, direct them. And Father, give them divine appointments, interactions this week. Father, reveal yourself in new and powerful ways. And Father, we love you. We bless you. We look forward to seeing what you will do with us. Make us usable. Don't just send us. Make us usable. Father, we love you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great week. If you guys go, just maybe slip out quietly. People are praying. Music will continue.